Welcome to Cisco Champion Radio Season 5, Episode 25. Today we'll be talking about DevNet Code Exchange with Casey Bleeker from DevNet. Our Cisco Champion hosts today are Jeff Levensailer and Paul Giblin. As for me, I'm Brett Storr from the Cisco Champion Program Team, and I'll be playing the part of moderator. Casey, if you can take a few minutes here and just introduce yourself and your role at Cisco, that would be a great start. Absolutely. Thank you very much. My name is Casey Bleeker, and uh, I'm with the DevNet organization here at Cisco. And I've actually been involved as a dev advocate within Cisco for uh, a number of years, focusing on our IoT and uh, AIML spaces. Uh, recently, I've moved into uh, a new role focused on business development of our ecosystem, and really that just means how we help make our ecosystem partners, our traditional Cisco partners, as well as our software developers like ISV developers successful within the DevNet ecosystem, and ultimately how we connect those solutions to our customers. Fantastic. Thank you, Casey. Now, Paul, if you can tell us who you are, where you are, and, and what you do, uh, that would be a great start for you. Absolutely. So I'm Paul Giblin. I'm an enterprise architect with Presidio, and I'm based on the East Coast. I'm not much of a developer, but I am very excited to uh, have a conversation here with Casey today and uh, learn some more about DevNet Code Exchange. Great. Thanks, Paul. Jeff, same for you. Tell us who you are, where you are, and what you do. Yep. Jeff Levensailer. I am a senior collaboration uh, engineer, even though more and more I'm doing less in that space and being a generalist again and getting my hands in a lot of things. Uh, I basically have been taking off with development and making the transition to this hybrid engineer over the past couple of years, and DevNet's been a huge help for that. That's great to hear. Thanks, Jeff. Now I'll pass the mic over to Paul to get this uh, podcast kicked off. All right. Well, thank you very much, Brett. Casey, I, I have a, you know, a, a big question for me, and I think a lot of folks, is, is understanding what code exchange really is. Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about code exchange and how that's different from ecosystem exchange and maybe get into a little bit of where my code actually lives. Yeah, that's a great question. So really this kind of arose out of, out of a need that we found for helping people to find resources. And in fact, that's, that's really where the name exchange comes from is we, we envision the, the DevNet exchanges, whether we're talking about the code exchange or our ecosystem exchange, um, really we view that we, we wanted to create a place for people to exchange value. And what, what we mean by that is oftentimes people have trouble finding valuable resources, whether it's sample code of where to get started uh, as a developer. Maybe it's pre-built projects and resources. Like you mentioned, Paul, maybe you, you don't code on a daily basis or, or a regular basis, and you just want to have some resources that maybe I am a Cisco customer, I can find something and hand that to my internal development uh, uh, but also maybe I have partners that want to find resources. And we also have a huge community of people who are creating all these, these valuable things to our, that, that our community can use. And so the exchange concept, that name really means where our developers, where our customers and our partners, and, and, and really the Cisco product units as well can all exchange value with one another. And code exchange really is all about exchanging value of code. And you may have seen these, these repositories, especially if you've been involved as a developer on, that, that kind of came up on GitHub, where people said, I don't really have a great way to find everything that's relevant to my use cases. So we started creating these repositories called awesome-whatever, right? And this kind of became a trend over the last few years in GitHub, where people would create these kind of awesome-whatever repositories. 
But the problem is, is we even had some of those within the Cisco technologies. If you think about the 200 product sets that are documented on DevNet for Cisco products, it's very hard we, to, to have an awesome dash whatever for each individual product. And we said we really need a way to actually aggregate and centralize all the code that our community has built to show the value for our partners, for our customers, that of all the things that they can leverage and utilize on their Cisco tools today. So we built Cisco Code Exchange or DevNet Code Exchange specifically to solve that problem of finding valuable code and also to allow people to share their projects and their code to a wider audience, which we'll, we'll talk more about later, I think, of, of why that's valuable. So that's, that is in its core, the code exchange. And ecosystem exchange differentiates that for just a little bit, and we can kind of get into the details there about how that's a little bit more of a baked solution when, when somebody has used or, or pulled a sample project from code exchange, or maybe they built something themselves then we want to make sure that the community knows who can actually deliver those kind of services. And that's where ecosystem, ecosystem exchange is more of a listing of capabilities for our partner community and our ISVs. All right, so let's say for a, a minute here that I'm a developer, I'm an in-house guy, and I, I've put together a, uh, a whiz-bang gidget, uh, gizmo, that, that uh, does something cool with DNA Center. It goes out and uh, queries DNA Center to pull some insurance assurance information and then uh, does something neat with it. How do I go about submitting that to code exchange and, and what does the approval process look like and, and who, who determines whether or not my code makes it onto the, uh, the exchange? So the great thing is, is that your, your code does not have to be in a Cisco owned repository. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, meet some, some quality control approval necessarily. What we look for is we look for to make sure that there are a number of kind of core components in your sample code. Because to be honest, there are some, there is a lot of value in maybe just boilerplate code, right? It doesn't have to be a functioning project. So code exchange is not trying to validate that. In fact, oftentimes you can actually validate how, how often something is used by how many GitHub repository stars it has or how many uh, uh, commits it has. So we actually can sort the, the, quality of those types of submissions naturally. And we want to aggregate all of these types of things because we actually have a lot of our internal own SEs who code projects maybe for a customer or an implementation. And it might only be one or two lines of code that they've changed from a sample project. We still want to be able to show that in code exchange so that people can find all that value and not have to develop that themselves. So to answer your question more succinctly of how do you get your code submitted, literally at developer.cisco.com slash code exchange, we have a submit button and you point your, you give us the repo URL. That could be a GitHub URL. That could be a Bitbucket URL. And so you point us to your GitHub repository or your Git repository. Give us a couple tags of the classification so that users can find what that kind of, uh, what that project is all about. Is it an IOT application? Is it a data center application? Um, we want to qualify that you actually own the, the, the content, um, even though everything on GitHub, we only publish public repositories. So even, even though that that's already there, we want to make sure that you are, are authorized to um, promote that repository. And then in terms of what we do to approve that, we make sure that there's a valid license applied, right? We're not listing things in code exchange that have no license applied. So we want, cause we want to make sure that people actually know what the expectations are of how they would use code on code exchange. 
Um, and then we just have a very quick review process before that gets published. So very little that's, uh, that's required to, to get your code into Code Exchange. Yeah, I actually yeah. submitted something today, and I noticed that it does a countdown from when you submit it to how many minutes have passed by. It's usually responded about a day. Uh, they go through the, the whole approval process and put it on the page. So that's kind of nice. That's excellent. And uh, yeah, Jeff, like you said, it's, it's pretty quick and we're, we're trying to get, you know, obviously looking for our community's feedback as well. If you see something in that process that you'd like to see a little easier, um, you know, would love to see that. Um, you know, one thing that Paul mentioned too is he asked, how do we submit? Well, we also, also have bots that are crawling specific repositories owned by um, uh, Cisco computers. So we have some specific uh, GitHub organizations that we know have valuable code that are, when they make those, those repositories public, it's because they want to make sure that people can consume and find them. So things that are created by our Cisco SE organization, things that are created by our various different BUs, we actually go in and crawl. We have a bot that finds all those repositories and ingests them into code exchange on an ongoing basis. So we've also operationalized and automated some of the backend uh, maintenance of some of those as well. But then there's always going to be somebody who's one-off creating their own projects. We want to welcome them into that code exchange community as well. So what about folks who don't really have dev experience but just have great ideas? Um, maybe maybe I'm maybe a little less uh, less talented than I am. I, I I can hack around a little bit, but uh, somebody who has no coding experience whatsoever and has a great idea. Is there any way to accommodate them or have them put together repos with just a skeleton framework of I, I I'd like to see a thing that does this this and this kind of an idea works? Yeah, so I think that's a that's a great question. Like, is there a a demand list, right? Or something where we're kind of collecting ideas of what people want to see made. Um, we're already starting to do that in our data center environment with uh, network intents. So we're, we're asking business owners, what kind of intents would you want to see your software defined network do? You know, what is, what is a wish that you would like to see programmed uh, in, in terms of business logic and how that would interact with your network? And we're aggregating those and sharing those with our developer community. And you're going to see more of that. So right now, not as much as we certainly have planned, but on Code Exchange, we certainly want to have users be able to submit their own requests as well of things that they want to see created by the community. Now, you, you, there is something else that's interesting there is, I think even if you're not a developer, we do see a lot of line of business users who are looking at Code Exchange for things that they know can be delivered. Even if it's just a boilerplate sample Code, app, uh, code template, or maybe a boilerplate application. Or we have a lot of tutorials uh, and kind of sample code of how to get started on things. A lot of business owners look at that and say, hey, I can, I can tell that this is going to only need a little bit of work, or at least it looks like this is a foundation that can save my organization a lot of resources if we start working on some of these resources. So it doesn't have to just be somebody who's technical looking for outcomes. It can actually look in code exchange for lots of different use cases. Um, we have a sample ServiceNow Spark integration or WebEx Teams integration. And that's a great example where somebody could spin up their own instance of that sample code and have their own WebEx Teams to ServiceNow integration to open tickets, monitor status, close, close tickets, et cetera, and, and get uh, outbound alerts. You don't have to be a coder to go, okay, this is, this is already pre-baked as a sample application. My business could get value out of that. What would you say are the technologies that have the greatest quantities of code samples and, and what languages are people submitting in? Are, are there metrics you're generating on the back end that say, I'm, I'm seeing this many people who are writing in Python and I'm seeing 
this many other people who are submitting things in Node, and I'm, I'm seeing this many people who are writing against SDKs. What would you say those distributions are, and uh, you know, where am I going to find the most value uh, in terms of technology stacks? You know, core route switch versus collab versus security, etc. You know, we definitely try and categorize the the languages that are being that are are found on on our different uh, platforms. So, as you search through Code Exchange, you can actually kind of find you can sort by code, so or by coding language. Um, so, if you say, "Hey, I'm familiar with JavaScript, and I want to find a uh, you know collaboration stack application," you can do that. Um, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, we definitely know that uh, uh, Python is certainly highly, highly uh, adopted within our community of network engineers and network developers. And so, if I would say, definitely Python is probably one of our largest consumed uh, uh, languages within Code Exchange. So. Um, just looking at, you know, I'm just looking here, we've got seven pages of just Python sample applications here. Um, and if you look at, you know, JavaScript across the whole thing, we've got, uh, you know, four. So I would say maybe those, those two are probably the, the, the largest uh, in terms of language that we have. And uh, certainly that's part, part of the reason is because most of the network tools that we have out there today that people are building, using for their DevOps pipelines uh, or for their CICD processes, those are, those are actually probably based around Python scripting as well. Um, but there's a lot of full stack applications as well. So if I look at like DNA Center, the BU has done an outstanding job of creating some sample applications that are written in you know, uh, React so that somebody could build an Android application or Swift so that somebody could build a uh, iOS application. So definitely um, there's, there's a lot there in terms of different languages and it, depending on the language you're most comfortable with, you'd be able to sort through and find that. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. I, I find that I usually will switch between a couple different languages just depending on if I find a good example written in that language, I'll just use that example or, or at least use the logic within that example. Uh, not, not a whole lot different it's just the context once you get uh, to it. I'll tell a little story about something that helped me recently. Uh, and just, I, I know about code exchange. I've heard the buzzword. I just hadn't really used it. And uh, I got in a case where I needed to use it, and it really helped. Uh, so we had our annual conference. Uh, oddly enough, it was called Exchange. <laughs> and uh, each class had a space where the instructors dropped their presentations on with all the materials. And our cloud manager came to me and he said, uh, I need to get all these attachments from all these spaces. There's like 60 different spaces. Uh, so I went out to Code Exchange and I found a, it's still called Cisco Spark API, but it's a WebEx Teams API that goes out and uh, I think it was 10 lines of code, I was able to say for this team, for all the spaces in this team, for all the messages and all the spaces, give me all the attachments. There's probably 10 lines of code and I saved probably, George, a couple hours worth of work. Uh, so that's something I plan on uploading because I think somebody else might be able to use that, a bulk attachment downloader. Uh, so I think uh, what I like to see out of Code Exchange is smaller contained examples to match with more people's intents. That's one thing I, I think a lot of people can use. A couple other ones uh, I'll probably be uploading soon. I, I had a, 
customer that needed to delete ITL files on a bunch of phones. Now, if you don't know what an ITL file is, it's just a certificate that you have to, there's no way to delete it except for manually pressing the buttons. So I had to figure out CTI control of the phones. Well, something that there's a pretty good documentation, but you have to be a developer to be able to read that documentation. So I think what Code Exchange is a good, what it does pretty good is finds the libraries, finds the the intent, and matches with that. Uh, and what I'd like to see, and what I'm doing myself is is taking these small pieces of repeatable code uh, and uploading those for people to use. So have you ever, I mean, obviously you guys have, you know, Paul and Jeff, you guys have a lot of pro services engagements as one of, you know, Cisco's big partners. Do you guys see Code Exchange as, as a resource that you guys could use to kind of bootstrap some of your professional services offerings to provide some of these kind of uh, 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 solutions that are, are kind of already baked to get your software development practices going or to hand to an engineer for, for customer engagements? Absolutely. I, I've, uh, I think me and Paul are on the same page with this. Uh, we have the talent uh, in the company to do it. We have a few pre-baked solutions right now, but we're, we're getting there to when we have a customer that comes to us, instead of doing it ad hoc, very custom, you know, try and put it in a box and repeat it and be able to sell it. So I've talked to my boss about we should be utilizing uh, code exchange more. We should be utilizing ecosystem exchange, get some examples out there, some stories, and use that as a marketing tool. I, I think that would be great. So that's a good point. So you guys can, as a partner, pull from code exchange and, and, and kind of maybe increase your margins or decrease the number of hours needed for some, some customer development. Um, but now you're saying you could actually like promote things into code exchange as well and get some, some external marketing. What is, what is a, uh, obviously you get some, some marketing there. Are there other reasons, you know, you might want to share projects in code exchange with the community? I think one of the, uh, the, the biggest things is being able to solicit additional input. So if I've got an idea, uh, you know, as, as Jeff was describing, where it's, it's very straightforward and it does uh, kind of a, a very specific detailed task, that's not something that's necessarily going to be marketable or saleable to us, but it might be something where there's, there's benefit to putting it out to the community to get other developers plugged into it and contributing to that code base and, and helping us grow that and make it better. Jeff, I think you were trying yeah, to jump in. So what I like is small, repeatable tasks put in a box and put on Code Exchange for free that people can grab. And uh, lowest common denominator, there's going to be a lot more of those that people can use. Now, what people, what we as a company would put in a box and sell would be the IP around taking all these little micro uh, libraries and projects and and finding a customer intent to chain them together to do something really cool. One example is scrubbing a switch to find all the phones and automatically, and you can do this iteratively, so the entire network you could do this on, uh, to say on the description, connected to this phone and then the phone serial number or MAC address or something. And you can take that same uh, same knowledge, put it in a call manager as a location field connected to this switch, this port. That makes the network smart. That's something that is highly custom. You'd probably put that in a box and sell it. But the micro pieces of that, uh, the Axle API, 
there's uh, an SDK that I've been working on uh, in Node that's already on Code Exchange, and there's one on Python I've been working on with David Stout with DevNet. And that's just examples of here's how to get all the phones, here's how to uh, edit a user, here's how to add a CSS. So these are all collab terms if you're not a collab guy. But basically, you're interacting with a database through an API. We're trying so, so, to... So you just highlighted something really interesting there, Jeff. Like, you just mentioned, like, you know, a bunch of collab terms and Axel and, and some of these different APIs. And I, and I think that's something that we, we absolutely see as a goal for code exchanges. Sometimes we can abstract some of that complexity, right? So somebody can go pull one of those kind of, like you mentioned, digestible blocks and chain them together. And we're seeing that we get this community impact where it's not just you, Jeff, maintaining that block that does Actel in Node. It's now maybe more other people start to see value from that block and or have enhancements and they can maintain that together. So you have a lower cost of, of overhead as a partner or somebody Absolutely. delivering those services, but you still have the freedom to go com connect these pieces and if you don't want to dig into the details of one specific block, you don't have to. You can kind of just chain these, these component pieces together and lower the, the, the barrier to delivering this value for our customers. Absolutely. And both of those uh, projects have been collaborative. So I contributed to David Stouts on Python, uh, and I also created the Node SDK and had somebody uh, do a pull request within a day. So this is something that... I'm finding a lot more collab engineers are getting in the programming space than other engineers. There's definitely a big use case because collab is basically a big database. There's a lot of stuff uh, going on, a lot of moving parts. Um, what I'm trying to do my best is to break these things into smaller bits and, like you said, uh, make it more of a collaborative approach. And I know two years ago when I got back into programming, I was making these one-page programs that had bunch of chain functions that did something hyper-specific. That's not something that you would put on code exchange. It does one thing for one customer. But make it repeatable and make it small and make it digestible. So I have a fun question for you, Casey. Outside of folks from Cisco, who has been your most prolific contributor? Outside of folks, of course it's Presidio. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, it has been our VAR community, right? We've got lots of solutions that we have from third-party ISVs that are already baked, right? And that's things in like, and that's that's really our ecosystem exchange where we show, you know, products that it, what we would call shrink-wrapped, right? What you would expect to buy off the shelf or that's already made for for kind of a specific function. But we we still need people to customize those things, and and oftentimes you still need to even write custom integrations between third-party software products and Cisco products to deliver real value to our customers. And that value has always been driven by Cisco's partner community. And we're really excited that our partners are continuing to grow in this space. So I would say absolutely our partners are probably some of the biggest contributors of code exchange. Um, and then once we have partners that have shown that we have the ability to maybe utilize a specific skill set or, or deliver custom value for a customer in a specific area, we want to list that in our ecosystem exchange. So there are customers or so that uh, other VARs in the, in, the, in the community can actually say, hey, I need somebody to do custom work in this space or I need to deliver some sort of, a, a, of an outcome in, in a specific vertical. So maybe it's IoT and retail and I want to know who can do custom software development in that space. 
you can find that in Ecosystem Exchange and actually go find that list of validated uh, and, and, and curated list of people who have those experiences. So I would say absolutely our traditional VAR partner community and uh, has been our biggest code, code exchange contributor. And we're seeing that start to now have a big business impact through Ecosystem Exchange and ultimately even into our Solutions Plus catalog, which is our, our list of, of, um, of SKUs of third-party software products that Cisco customers can buy off the Cisco price list. And that ultimately means it's easier and lower cost for our customers to transact and to procure those, those solutions. So we're very excited about the engagement we're getting from our VAR community there. So you described a little bit of a roadmap there going from code exchange to ecosystem exchange to potentially even solutions plus. Is that something that's well-defined or is that something that you just see kind of organically happening? You know, it's certainly, it's, it's, and, and to be clear, not a product roadmap. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is absolutely the journey that we want people to go on, right? Now, and, and when we say journey, it, it doesn't mean that we expect anyone um, or everyone to go to the end of that journey. It means that we want to always have a path to further success for anybody who invests in these areas. We know that a, a big conversation in our community has, has always been, what's the business relevancy of all this, right? Well, now we're seeing, this group here has seen a lot of deals impacted by these types of solutions. We're seeing a lot of business being driven by these types of solutions and conversations. And so we want everything from um, starting out of, of helping people to, to find and build code, whether it's these consumable blocks that Jeff was talking about or their own sample projects that our partners and our, and our customers can consume out of code exchange. And then when somebody does that and pieces these blocks together in a very unique way that delivers their own IP, their own intellectual property, we want to be able to list that in ecosystem exchange so that the global customer base of Cisco can find those solutions. And that's not just to make our developers successful. That's because when people create these custom things, our customers get real value out of those things. And we want our customers to be able to find those solutions so that they actually can get some unique value proposition and oftentimes some competitive differentiation in their own markets by having those custom software solutions. So that is a very natural kind of progression to move into our ecosystem exchange. And then we see a lot of third-party software vendors that say, I've built this awesome solution. How do I get this to every Cisco customer? We've shown value. We've shown long-term success. Um, and that's where we start to look at maybe moving them into our Solutions Plus catalog, where customers can then easily buy those solutions directly through Cisco. So I would say that's a natural progression. And, and ultimately, it's also a progression that we start to see now that we have that, into our ecosystem exchange or solutions plus catalog, a solution or an outcome for our customers that's very valuable. Now we actually help uh, evangelize that. We market that. We, we say, hey, do, do people actually understand that there's this kind of package solution and our sellers need to understand that, our customers and our partners. So we work together to create that kind of uh, uh, continuing the marketing of those, that, that journey as well. And that all comes back to our main goal of, of A, providing unique value for our customers and B, making sure that our developer ecosystem is, is continually successful. So, so to recap that in three sentences, code exchange is what, ecosystem exchange is what, Solutions Plus is what, for, for folks who might not be as familiar. Yeah, so today this is actually a consolidation, right? This is, a, this is part of a journey. So we certainly see these collapsing in the future. Um, so right now, code exchange is just the listing of, of code that users can find, that customers can find, and where you can publish and share 
any projects or sample code you've been working on. Ecosystem Exchange is a listing of products. It's a listing of offerings from professional services to fully shrink-wrapped products that you can sell or buy as a Cisco customer. And Solutions Plus is a listing of those products that you can buy on Cisco products or on Cisco's price list directly from Cisco. And ultimately, we see those three as the same thing. It's just a delineation of, am I, am I getting code for, for no dollars because it's open source? Am I getting a product that is that same code with professional services as, as part of a transaction? Or do I buy that as a fully bundled solution through Cisco? And that's just really a continuum for us. So I wouldn't do, go too, 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 too deep in it, but really it's just in simply code exchange where you find sample code, ecosystem exchange where you find completed products and services, and then Solutions Plus is the mechanism where you can buy those solutions through Cisco. So I want to uh, ask you your favorite project, but I want to talk about what I'm excited about first. My favorite is JSX API. So it's a JavaScript uh, SDK around XAPI, which is the API for those little iPads that sit in your conference rooms called Touch Tens. So Cisco's made it remarkably simple, and I got to give props to Steve Sparks for this, but there's a little uh, a demo room, and you can take this Touch 10 device and put buttons on it, and when you press a button, it does a thing. And that just, you know, to a conference room, it just opens up to all kinds of possibilities as far as I'm going to press this button, it's going to order a pizza. And you can do that. You can, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities talking to customers about what they want to do. Blinds, uh, turn, dim the lights, all these neat little things, and it's like 10 lines of code in this uh, JSX API project. So that's a great point. Our BUs are creating a lot of cool sample projects and, and really SDKs, right? Um, it's not just we create an API and it, a lot of BUs are saying, hey, I've got developers that want future forward access. So the JSX API is a great example where the X API really was the legacy Tanberg you know, API that originally functioned only over serial. And then they, they made an, an XML API to the local devices, and now they've wrapped that up in JavaScript so that you can use this modern language. And so that's a great example of how our products can evolve by creating these resources that abstract some complexities. You can see that our, our business units are providing these resources through CodeExchange. That gets me super excited. Where I, I, I see a similar kind of motion happening is in our, our partner community. There's a number of other open source solutions that help orchestrate and kind of remove that complexity for our customers when they get into network automation or network programmability. And I think two of those that are really interesting to me are Ansible and Puppet. And you've seen these communities create playbooks and plugins and solutions so that from either Ansible or from Puppet, I can actually control and automate my network infrastructure and my data center infrastructure. You know, I'm just, I just typed in Ansible in CodeExchange here, and I see the you know, Cisco UCS Managed Blade and Rack Server module for Ansible. So you can actually use UCS Director and the UCS APIs to manage your entire UCS data center in an automated fashion from Ansible. That means as, as a developer, I don't actually need to know how to code to those APIs. I can actually get the value out of that. So our ecosystem has bundled up the code into a bundle that is now a plug-in for a third-party product. That's what starts to get me really excited about code exchange is where we're starting to see 
SDN and, and software-defined networking and, and network automation start to be accessible by the wider community where their plugins are available in this environment. So if you're out there listening and you've got something that manages networks, you should think about how do you put these types of plugins or, or these types of connectors into the code exchange as well. So that's probably my favorite class or category for sure today um, is, these, is these network automation platform connectors from Ansible and, and Puppet. So I, I got sorry, I was on mute there. I have to say my, my favorites are some of the simpler things, um, things that save me time. Uh, a lot of the uh, Postman collections are just easy to find through the exchange. And anytime I don't have to write my own Postman collections to go tinker around with, uh, you know, an API, it saves me a ton of time and it makes my life really easy. So I, I like that somebody else is out there maintaining those things. And uh, I try and contribute to them when I can as, uh, but it's usually already, you know, baked by the time uh, I get around to poking around in an API. It's it's usually too late, and somebody else has already written it for me. So it, it's great to be able to pull those down, load them up in a Postman, and just start firing away at an API somewhere. You know, Paul, that's a great point. We've got you know this whole wide range from pre-built solutions that somebody doesn't have to worry about. You know, how do I how do I code or implement this to like sample applications and Postman collections are super cool because they're not really code on our applications, but they're a collection of all of our API docs that somebody can just download and import into their own local development environment. And they can actually generate code from those Postman collections. So if you're just getting started, like Postman is the freaking coolest tool out there to go generate code without actually having to know like, and, and it's a great way to get started and learn how those things happen. But then we've got the other side of the spectrum where we've actually got a lot of things about like for data scientists. Um, we have a, a, a sample application called Meraki Beat, and it actually takes the new Meraki Health APIs and funnels that into an Elasticsearch cluster where you can actually use some, some data science and real-time streaming analytics in that Elasticsearch cluster and stream that into a real-time dashboard for Kibana to find Meraki endpoints and clients that are misbehaving or that are having uh, poor wireless experiences or poor network experiences. And so that's super cool that we're getting all of that kind of health data streamed into this big data science application, but then it's all bundled up for somebody to be able to take and, and pull in as a, uh, as, as a pre-built sample project. Um, that they can quickly run themselves. So super cool that uh, that we've got that whole wide spectrum there. So at what point in time does the exchange become sentient? You know, we're we're targeting 2021 right now. Um, you know, where it's where it takes it just starts making its own code. <laughs> no, yeah, I would it, love. It's a shame the folks that are on the radio are not going to be able to see the smile come across your face. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, you know, that is the thing though. We're, we're this when we work together as a community. When we, when these things get centralized, is when we start to see this exponential impact. And these things were just scattered six months ago, and now we've got a central place where all of Cisco's code can live, all the code that our customers can use to build applications on Cisco products, where all of our ecosystem vendors can put their plugins and connectors, and you can find everything you need for support on Cisco's products or platforms. And honestly, you can discover use cases you never found. So we've seen a huge, huge growth in terms of just the innovation and the excitement around the community of, sample, of contributing these kind of sample code uh, projects. And uh, I think we're going to continue to see that grow uh, over the next few years. Yeah, I'd say between this and uh, <clears throat> you know, programs like uh, DevNet Create and just the general mission of DevNet overall being a, an organization devoted to helping 
generate, I would say, arguably the uh, the next generation of engineers in the Cisco overall ecosystem. I think it's uh, fantastic stuff, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what gets uh, landed on here in the next few months. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for the uh, the confidence. Uh, let me ask, if you could see anything in code exchange in the future, like we've got a lot of engineers out there listening who they may want to be the consumers of those projects or they may be want to be the ones that build them. You know, we talked a little bit about we're going to kind of, you know, continue to work to, to share that, you know, between our communities. But if you could see, if you or Jeff could see anything made out there today, what would you want to see made by our community? So I, I could probably take that one. There's just looking on here, there's something called next UI. There seems to be some kind of Cisco formed uh, or agreement to some kind of front end. And I think a lot of the a lot of the people in the industry are getting into the back end, and they want to make it more familiar, more comfortable for people to consume these little functions that are written in Python, but they have a front end to it. So I would like to see uh, maybe like some kind of data table with a button. You press a button, it takes the fields on the table and runs a function. Some kind of front end uh, template. And that may be in next UI. The last time I checked it out was like three months ago, and none of these things move fast. And then uh, I, I would say the thing that I would like to see is, you know, as a curated list, I'd like to see some messaging from the curators. So maybe not necessarily a full-on narrative of here's exactly what's in here because that's really the purpose of the README doc, right? But I'd like to see an interpretation of what each one of these things is from somebody who's got the technical chops to kind of dig in and say, very concisely in a sentence or two, this thing is this, and it's going to help you do this task. And then if yeah, that interests you, dig in a bit more. Um, so some of the summaries right now are a little generic and could probably be a little more descriptive. So you nailed something. This is this is kind of a start for our community, right? Like. Our community two, three years ago was just maybe just storing some code in GitHub, right? And maybe a couple years ago, they added a readme and a license file. And maybe over the last year, we've added contributing policies or maybe community standards. But we probably haven't gone back and added an actual description of what some of those projects have done, right? So anybody who's in our community who's worked on some of these things, we're in complete agreement. We'd love to see... This is code exchange is not where everything lives. It all is backed up by the GitHub repository. Our community should feel more comfortable about utilizing those things. I have literally I'm known to go onto a GitHub repository that has a very poor README and open up a, an issue, right? <laughs> I'm going to open up an issue on that repository, and it's amazing how powerful that is when somebody opens up an issue on my repositories that there's a typo or a bug. I mean, I might have a README that just says README, <laughs> right? And then when they find that and they go, well, you can't do anything valuable with that. You open up an issue on that. People fix things right away. It motivates them. So we should be using GitHub as well. So when you find something and you want to work together as a community on some of these projects, open up issues, track issues, pull, you know, fork the project and open up a pull request with your changes. These are things we should all feel very comfortable with in our community as well as we continue to build on these building blocks that exist in code exchanges. And honestly, you can go fork that repository, update the, re you know, readme yourself and, and, and merge that back in, in, you know, 20, 30 seconds. So those are the kinds of things we're starting to see happen now that people have found those resources is you can say, hey, I actually know what this does and I can write a two-sentence you know, description better than what's there. Or maybe I can actually help 
just, I don't have to be a coder, but I can go open an issue on a project and say, gee, I wish it did this, you know? So definitely let's leverage GitHub as, as that uh, kind of wish list tracking as well, because it's definitely built for that, for our community to be able to collaborate around these different code projects. Excellent. Well, Jeff, I'm fresh out of questions for Casey here. I don't know if you have anything else. Keep up the good work. <clears throat> Awesome. Well, thank you guys for, for hosting today and uh, for, for digging in with us on, on the various different exchanges we have at DevNet. We're super excited to have you guys uh, you know, be big supporters, supporters of us and, and continue to uh, look forward to uh, working together as, as uh, you know, time progresses. Likewise. Appreciate the time. This has been Episode 25 of Cisco Champion Radio Season 5. I want to thank all of you for joining us today and especially Casey for sharing his insight and Jeff and Paul for hosting today's session. As always, thanks to everyone for joining and participating in Cisco Champion Radio. Look for this episode and other episodes on iTunes and at blogs.cisco.com slash perspectives. Until next time.